Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. You know what, Mike? We have a pretty average guest list today. You know, Serena Williams, Steph Curry, Swaggy P, also Jay Ellis and Princess Penny from one of our favorite shows, HBO's Insecure. Just nobody. That's a great show. This is going to be a great show. That's a great show. But it's a half hour. So what's good? Welcome (laughs) to the best 60 minutes of your day. It took 37-year-old Venus Williams 73 minutes to continue the best story in sports right now, defeating... Johanna Conta, 6-4, on center court today to advance to her first Wimbledon final since 2009, okay? She's seeking a six Wimbledon singles title. And with a win over Gabriela Mugarosa, Saturday, she'd be the oldest women's Grand Slam champion in the open era. That's since 1968. She's the oldest women's finalist in any Grand Slam since Martina Navratilova reached the Wimbledon final in 1994. Besides defying age, one can't help but be happy for Venus, given what she's overcome to get here again. Yeah, it was um, definitely some issues. I had a lot of issues. And this year has been amazing in terms of my play and playing well into the deep into the big events, actually. So, of course, I'm excited about being in, again in another final and try to take it a step further I am um, yeah I just I'm still still focused I guess on this next match the Williams sisters are such a compelling sports story and they've gone through this really interesting role reversal in their careers early on as Venus was more successful than Serena uh, people looked at Serena as the the underdog now I find myself looking at, uh, you know how I feel about Serena, who's going to join us in a couple minutes. But I find myself, I love Serena, but I root for Venus, if that makes any sense. Totally. I mean, she's right. She's been through a lot. Um, certainly we saw how emotional she was throughout Wimbledon, given the tragic accident. Uh, and so to me, this is just such a feel-good story, which feels odd to say about somebody who's won as much as she has. It's not just a compelling story. The Williams sisters, not just a feel-good story, as you said. As many have said, and I concur, it is the greatest sports story in the history of sport. That Nationally, is not hyperbole. Internationally, doesn't matter where those women came from, where they are, where they will go. It's, what, it's just absolutely amazing. What they, what they will continue to do. And just so Venus is relatively speaking old. I'm not going to call <laughs> a lady old, but relatively speaking old. But celebrating them never, ever gets old. It's the greatest story in sports history. Keep authoring chapters to this story. And you think, look, if Venus wins Saturday, she will be back in the top five. So this isn't some just random run that she's on. How much longer can she do this? Like, is, is with Serena stepping aside to, you know, take care of the baby and, and be a mother, who knows how long she stays away from the game? Maybe Venus just holds it down for her while she's gone. Like, they're, they're not ready to give this thing up anytime soon. She's beating people young enough to almost be her daughter's Venus Williams is. Wow. And she's still just as good as we can recall. This is her second final this year. Mm. So she's not slowing down anytime soon. Now, it's usually the little sister that leans on the big sister, though. And even though Venus is no stranger to playing for a Wimbledon championship, it's not quite the same because her little sister isn't there. 
you know, usually it's it's her in these finals, so I'm trying my best to represent Williams as best as I can. Have, have you missed Serena? Terribly. I missed her so much before this match, and I was like, I just wish she was here. And I was like, I wish she could do this for me. And I was like, no, this time if you do it for yourself. <laughs> so here we are. I understand how you feel, Venus. I wish Serena were in studio with us right now. But thankfully, she joins us via satellite. Uh, she has a new collaboration with Tempur-Pedic. Uh, and we welcome her to the six. Thank you so much, Serena, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, you just heard what your sister said about how much she's missing you. Uh, what's it like to not be able to be with her at Wimbledon? Um, it's... I don't know. I feel like I'm there in a weird way. It's weird, but I feel like I've been there for the whole journey. And even though I'm not, I've been so supportive and before Venus. Now, it's been a really emotional tournament for her uh, so far. How have you been able, though, to support her? Um, as you said, you feel like you're, you're there, but how have you been able to support her maybe through phone calls or other methods without physically being there? Well, just we talk um, every day, actually, and we text every day, and not about tennis always. You know, we our relationship isn't basic based around tennis, so it's just been really great. I miss her a lot. I look forward to her coming back, and so it's really good. Now, a lot of people are amazed because Venus is still playing so well despite being 37. Uh, have you drawn any inspiration from watching your sister go for her sixth Wimbledon title? Um. It's, it's weird. I haven't drawn too much inspiration only because I'm in this place of my life where I'm just dealing with um, the baby and I'm just almost, usually I'm like jealous in a good way. There's a good jealousy and there's a bad jealousy, you know. I have that good jealousy which makes me want to work hard and now I just, all my energy is towards making her want to be great and making her want to win and it's, it's just a totally different feeling. Come to find out you were pregnant when you won the Australian Open, and yet we're seeing videos of you hitting while pregnant. Where do you get the energy to do that? <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it's important for me to stay semi-fit. Um, I always tell my hitter, I don't want to lose my touch. I don't want to lose my touch. So we go out, you know, not too often, once a week, maybe that's it, and just hit a few balls and just, I don't want to lose my touch. <laughs> So on the men's side, uh, Sam Query knocked out Andy Murray. In case you missed it, Serena, check out uh, Andy Murray's response to a reporter question yesterday. Andy, Sam is the first U.S. player to reach a major semifinal since 2009. How would you describe Male player. The... I beg your pardon? Male player, right? Yes, yeah. first male player. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> Serena, Andy Murray going out of his way to say male player since 2009. What do you think when you hear that? What does that mean to you to see him do that? I don't think there's a woman player, and there really shouldn't be a female athlete that is not totally supportive of Andy Murray. Um, he has spoken up for women's issues and women's rights, especially in tennis, for forever. And um, he does it again you know that's who he is and that's one thing that we love about him he's just you know he has such a wonderful mother and who's been such a strong figure in his life and he's done so much for us on our tour so we just we love Andy Andy Murray now Serena you mentioned uh, a minute ago that 
you know, pregnancy has kind of changed your perspective a little bit. Uh, could you elaborate on that? In what ways has being pregnant kind of changed how you view things? Um, gosh, I just, you know, you know, it's just different. I, I can't really describe it. I just really want everything. I, I've had such a great career, and I just feel like even when I come back, I won't have anything to prove to anyone, obviously. <laughs> but also, I will just have that joy of no matter whether I win a match or lose a match, I have the joy of having um, the little baby to go to go back to, and it's something I've never really had before. Carolyn Wozniacki said that uh, you've already told her that if, if your baby's going to be around her, it can't be that much candy lying around. I got three kids. <laughs> I remember we had our first. My wife had a bunch of bottles of Purell everywhere. You couldn't touch the baby without the Purell. By baby number three, everybody's hands were dirty. It didn't really matter. <laughs> I'm wondering what kind of rules and regulations and protections is Serena going to have when it comes to her baby? Well, yeah, I told Caroline no candy. That's a strict rule. Um, <laughs> she eats a lot of candy, so <laughs> it was funny. Um, so, uh, yeah, she, she, she's really excited. We all are. And uh, that's it. You know, I don't really have too many rules. Um, I was thinking about doing the whole hand sanitizer stuff, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. We just... We, we, I hear with the first, you're just super protective, and obviously I probably will be that way too. So, how, how are your preparations coming along? They call it nesting in terms of just the nursery or just shopping or whatever. How's that coming along for you? It's coming along um, slowly <laughs> because <laughs> I don't want to do too much too soon because I still have a little, a lot of time left in the pregnancy. So I don't want to. Um, I don't want to get all done and I have all this time on my hands and like what am I going to do? So we kind of, uh, me and Alexis, we kind of have a little plan like every weekend we'll do just a little bit for the baby and um, not too much. And then some weeks we do a little bit more, but it's, it's, been, it's been slow and steady and it's been really good. You got names picked out yet? We don't. Um, we both feel like we're going to wait for it to come out and go from there. So you don't want to know what the gender of your baby is prior to uh, the birth? No, we don't. We're waiting on that as well. Everyone says it's like such a wonderful surprise to have. So we, uh, we'll kind of see what happens. It is, that is beautiful. Well, we got a little gift for you. We did. Speaking it's, of wonderful it's, it's surprises. Unisex, okay. You know, so either way. Hopefully you can see this. Can we you got, see this? It's white. We have it, a little onesie. We got an FC61. Oh, thank you. So oh, we'll make sure that we get this so to much. you. And we and the baby can throw up all over right, it. Right, and you can send it back. <laughs> so right. you can have the baby. You, know, you can save it. Uh, anyway, Serena, thank no, you so much. No, I won't much. send it back. Okay. okay. We, we appreciate it. it. But maybe you. we can come up with some more baby gifts. Who yes. knows? And for more information about Serena's work with Tempur-Pedic, visit Tempur-Pedic.com. Thank you so much, Serena. And uh, all the best. God bless you and your family. Uh, with your pregnancy. Our gymnastics team was so dominant that Kevin Durant told me he wants to play for them next year. <laughs> and I got to tell you, I don't think you'd start for that team, Kevin. Yeah. Russell Westbrook, what do you think? Westbrook was the best part. <laughs> it was. Now you see, KD, what emojis should we read into that? Isn't that an interesting hard job now reading into emojis? 
according to Chris Haynes, though, Katie was in on the joke. Look, I know <laughs> that Katie's reaction, some people said, oh, he's just trying to sell it. Like, I don't, I, he may have known it was coming, but I don't think he necessarily appreciated it, it being said. He could be in on it, but not into it. Like, there's a lot of things you and I collaborate on. I do it because you're the boss. Doesn't mean I'm happy about it. So he's at the ESPYs and they say, hey, heads up. We're going to cut away to you when Peyton makes this joke. Especially Peyton, given how much respect he has. I could see how he would want, as much as possible, let people know what was coming. KD's, the look he gave to that joke speaks to what he thinks of that joke, which is that it's not very funny. He later on got best championship performance, okay? He didn't ride anybody's coattails. He led the Warriors to this championship. Did, did they need him? No, no, not necessarily, but he led them there. So you mean to tell me that he was acting 100% like he wasn't in his feelings about somebody suggesting that he was going to just be a bandwagon jumper? I mean, that's the look that he wanted to give. Yeah. Because if, if he would have really, if, he, if it had been something where he was like, he'd have been like, oh, man, that's something like that. And I wonder if they told him about the Russell Westbrook He went deadpan too. because he was like, all right, cool, nice try. Me. Nice try. Cool so he story, knew it was bro. coming, and that's the look he decided to give. So... I'll make this personal and bring it to us. There are certain things. I mean, we've received a lot of criticism for this show. It's no. just in, right? No. But after a while, for both you and I, it gets old. All right. And we take a lot of pride in what we do. We love what we do. This is very personal for us. And some of it stings because not because it's true. We know a lot of it is uneducated and uh, ill informed opinion. It's just because we're sick of it. And I know that Kevin Durant, he's just tired of it, right? It was, it was never funny to him to begin with. And you know how he felt about the uh, you the real MVP jokes when he, he said that that really kind of angered him a little bit, that people turned it into a meme and into a joke because he meant something really heartfelt. I think it's okay if it still bothers His him. His mom smiled, I believe. She did. Up front. We saw her in the VIP room. Afterwards, at the, what did she and say? she said that, you know, she didn't, she didn't appreciate it. She didn't have a problem with it. Right. But she is just sick of it, much like her son is. All right. The Warriors, of course, well represented at the SBs, both in terms of attendance and nominations. Steph and Aisha, as always, well-dressed. Just life goals. And for achieving the ultimate team goal, Warriors, Cubs, Patriots, Penguins, Clemson, South Carolina, and the U.S. Women's Gymnastics team, all up for best team. And the SB goes to... Oh, God. Please don't let it be them. Don't let it be them. Don't let it be them. It's not them. Okay, uh, Golden State Warriors. All right, and fresh off that ESPYs win, Steph Curry joins us on behalf of the American Century Championship in Lake Tahoe. Uh, Steph, we'll talk about your competition uh, in just a moment, but let's talk about your teammate KD. Everybody's talking about uh, Peyton roasting him in his opening monologue. Do you really think KD was in on that joke? And if so, how in on that joke was he? I think KD is a great actor. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know the backstory. I didn't talk to him before the ESPYs, but I, I seen Thunderstruck. So if he had to put on that face, um, he's pretty good at it. Now, you went through some criticism uh, after you guys lost the championship last year. Obviously, KD went through a lot of criticism for merely joining you guys. What advice have you given him about how to handle all of that? They're going to build you up to break you down. There's going to be noise all around you, whether you, you know, especially a guy at his level. Um, you know, they're going to try to find things that are going to, uh, try to poke and prod and distract you from, from who you are, who you know you are, and what you're about. So, um, 
I don't think he needed to hear that from me, but um, you know what we do for a living. How we're you know up front and center and and uh, under the microscope, you know that stuff happens. But at the end of the day, all you can control is what you do on the court, how you can, how you carry yourself. Uh, and I think he's done an amazing job doing that this entire his entire career, really, uh, but especially this last year. And uh, you know. He's a champ now, and, and we're all happy to play with him um, and hopefully continue to do, to do great things together um, and have each other's back. One more KD question. Um, Steve Kerr likened him to Tim Duncan for taking a pay cut to help keep the core, keep the team together. What would you think about that? What would you think about that move of his? Yeah, I know T- Tim Duncan's story uh, – kind of vaguely but I know for for KD he had a direct impact on allowing us to sign uh, or to keep uh, Andre and and Sean and do some other moves that will help keep our core together so I think he understood that responsibility and the way that you know all the stuff when the salary cap works that um, that would be a huge help and it talks about our you know the ethos of our team and the identity that we have uh, going forward and um we got our squad back for the most part. We got a couple more, couple more moves, hopefully, and and uh, and we'll be, we'll be back. Speaking of the salary cap, though, again, congratulations on your five-year deal. Um, long underpaid, so congratulations on getting what you deserve. LeBron tweeted in response to your contract and the Warriors being worth $2.6 billion. He tweeted, why is there a salary cap on how much a player should get? He said that you should be getting $400 million this summer over five years. What changes would you like to see to the salary cap? And what do you think about what LeBron said about you? I mean, it's a fair point. I think there's uh, there's arguments on both sides, and we could sit here for hours and hours debating it and the difference between basketball. And I know there's a lot of talk now about NFL players um, getting more of the pot and things like that, which are great conversations to have because sports are so popular right now and um, and you know the players have everything to do with that um, and the work that they put in the talent that they have um, and so yeah I don't think it's a, any, anybody you know being called greedy saying that we should you know be making more and this and that if there's a you know should be no salary cap and a free and open free open market for players to, to earn what they what the market says they should uh, but the situation now is there's not and so we work through that until things change and um, I think the fact that the conversations, you know, starting and happening and the things like that on, in all different sports is, is great for the players to have a voice and, and try to, um, you know, better their situation. You just discussed a moment ago about how KD taking less money allowed you guys to keep your core intact. A lot of teams this offseason have been making moves as well, trying to catch you Got guys. You. you had Paul George with the Thunder now, Jimmy Butler in Minnesota, uh, the Rockets Paul, <laughs> with Chris Mello, Paul. Mello, maybe. <laughs> Mello might be joining them. What was, was there one move that you saw and you thought, huh, that's interesting? What caught your eye, basically? I mean, every time, anytime you see any of those, you know, stars changing teams, and you see a new face in a new place with new jerseys on, it's always weird. And until you, you know, until you get used to it when the season starts, because right now it's all, you know, on paper type situations. But uh, I mean, obviously we've had battles with the Clippers for years, and um, CP is a fixture of what you know Clipper basketball is, and to see him in a different place is. Is, is weird, um, but it's one that uh, I'm sure we'll get adjusted to. We'll have to understand what it's like to play against those two guys down in Houston. 
as well as the rest of the moves that you talked about. And for us in the Western Conference, obviously, um, every night is going to be tough and challenging and competitive. And I think it's great for the game the way that it's going. And I think it'd be great if we can stay on top. Yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb, make a bold prediction, and say you guys will make the playoffs next year. <laughs> but it is going to be very difficult for those other seven teams in the Western Conference, to your point. Conversations about whether or not, given the talent influx or migration to the West, whether or not there needs to be realignment for the playoffs. Would you be in favor of just going 1 through 16, independent of conference? I actually like that idea, and I know that's been talked about a lot just because I mean, I know that the big deterrent probably is, is the travel and try how you you know divide up the games and series if you have D.C. playing Portland type situation. So that's that's tough to to work through. Um, but the competitive balance of you know seeing how you know all the teams stack up through the 82 game regular season, there might be a creative way to 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 mix that up. But that's above my pay grade, so I'm gonna I'm gonna just play whoever the schedule says. And, uh, and like I said, hopefully win win more than we lose. Above your pay grade. Your old pay grade, maybe. Not, <laughs> right, the, new not the new one. <laughs> uh, as we mentioned it before, you're at the... Uh, All right, you know we're telling the truth. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay to stunt sometimes, okay. Sam. Yeah. Um, I, as, we uh, mentioned, <laughs> as we mentioned, you're at the American Century Championship. It's a lot of really good golfers there. You got Justin Timberlake, Aaron Rodgers, John Elway. Barkley, though, he doesn't, fit the Barkley good, he doesn't fit the good one. <laughs> Tony Romo, he's good, right? Yeah. Uh, but who do you see as your biggest yeah, competition? Who do you see as your biggest competition? Myself. <laughs> My, myself. <laughs> is, you know, like I was telling Michael, once you get into golf, you know that you're, it's all what goes on between the ears in golf if you can, if you can control that. So, obviously, there's a lot of great golfers here that um, play at a very, very high level, and that's what this tournament's about, and that's why I love coming up here. Um, but like anything that I do, I want to be competitive, try to win, and um, we'll see if that can happen. All right, man. Well, we appreciate you taking the time to join us. Hit them straight. We know you're warming up for your web.com tour event against the pros in yeah. August. Look forward <laughs> to seeing you compete with the big boys. Steph Curry, we appreciate it, man. Thank you. Go ahead, Mike. I just it's such an honor. <laughs> to have executive producer Prentice Penny of HBO's Insecure here to promote season two. And a personal hero of mine, <laughs> Jay Ellis, also known as Lawrence, as the president of the Lawrence High. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's such a good time. I'm so happy to. Thank you. Hey, I'm, thank I'm you. here for you. Season two premieres Sunday, July 23rd at 10.30 Eastern. I, I, I don't know if I mean, okay. So Time Magazine <laughs> reviews season two. You're going to be emotional right I'm, now. I'm, like, I'm just overcoming right. it. I, just, I, just, I, just, I appreciate it. Same thing <laughs> Time Magazine, ladies and gentlemen, they review season two and called Insecure the sharpest comedy of the year. We both agree. Yeah. Prentice, what does that mean to you? It's a good feeling. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, there's a lot of pressure coming off of season one. People obviously love the show. Um, and we just wanted to keep the from the accelerator for season two. So it's just, I just love that people love the show so hard. Man. I love that shirt. Jay, can you oh, open that you, up? Did you need me to pull that out? I, 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 I need you to hook me up with one. I got you. Okay, all right. Hey, listen, any Hive member, you, listen, I got you. I got you. Now, Emmy nominations, they, they were announced, and Insecure wasn't obviously among them. Um, Jay, is that something that you guys take personally, or what's your response to the show not being nominated? No, you know, I think one of the things that Issa and Prentice always talk about is we tell these stories for the authentic authenticity of the stories, for the mm -hmm. culture, for, for 
you know, people who look like us who haven't had these opportunities to have their stories told on TV every single week. So, you know, we're excited for everybody that got nominated. Next year, there's always more for us, you know what I mean? Yeah, we're the new pup to the party, you yeah. know, so we're happy that, you know, we're happy for Atlanta, blackish shows like that, so. Yeah. You know, a lot of the fellas, Jay, have, like, Martin, Malcolm, Here we go. Marcus, and you <laughs> on the wall. You know what I'm saying? Barack, you know what I'm saying? The great thinkers. Right. Right. The great bit of our time, you know. But because it was right off of Lemonade was Lawrence High. Like, yeah. what did you, how did it make you feel to just be such a, a symbol for us? Man, I, you know, Pete called it, man. I actually never even thought about it. Even when I read the scripts, I really didn't think about it. And Pete called it, and he was like, yo, I'm telling you. When episode eight dropped, just know, drops? Just, just know it's going to change it's everything. It's going to be crazy. And it's dope, man. You know what's really cool about it is, is to have so many people identify with a character and identify with your work, right? People be able to relate to it, and it, it moved them emotionally. I think that's all you could ever really ask for. Did, you see, some of, did you see some of the reactions? <laughs> moved them emotionally? Do we, do we have some you reactions? Had men out here at, some at the food. You had men out here at the food. You hadn't had a voice in a minute. Listen. <laughs> look, look, look at this. Look at this. <laughs> Bank teller, I was like, man, <laughs> man, come on, Jay. <laughs> we had us women had just got y'all after the hype, and then here you come giving them all kind of confidence. That's, that, that was my thing, right there. <laughs> my man. <laughs> See what I'm saying? No, man. One of the arguments that Mike and I had about everybody wanted to mess up. One of the arguments Mike and I had about the breakup between Lawrence and Issa, and again the the hookup with the bank teller. See, I thought it was retaliation. He said, no, Lawrence nah, did that. That for was him. all about it. It was him. It was it was a hundred percent him. It I was. think I think that's a man thing. I, I, there's there's some there's some confusion. There's some a bit being lost. There's a bit being in the moment, and then there's a bit like he wasn't thinking about Issa in that moment. That wasn't that's not where that was at. You I mean, lie. he you was, lie. but he was, but not in a retaliation way. It was a okay. completely different thing. So right. so on a sports tip, you hooped in college. Yeah, and is it true you were a, an intern at one point with the Blazers? Yeah, I interned for the Trailblazers my uh, sophomore and junior year in college. Mm. And what, yeah. what did you get from that experience? What was that? What, what years was this? Uh, so 2002, 2003. Okay. Uh, so not such good years. For <laughs> 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 I think like one year. I mean, literally in one year, like. A couple players got pulled over from driving from Seattle to Portland, and like they had weed in the car. I, Another everybody player remembers the jail place. <laughs> jail place. Yeah. Another yeah. player was out of town, and like his house got broken into. When the cops got there, it was like a half a pound of weed sitting <laughs> on the doorstep. I don't want to name nobody, some dude just decided to call himself the Kobe Stopper, which I just oh, thought was oh yeah, Ruben Patterson, absolutely. Yeah. And Kobe's your guy, and Kobe's my dude. Yeah, yeah. so it was even more ridiculous in that moment. Uh, yeah, I felt sorry for Mo Cheeks. He had a rough year. Yeah, no, right, it was so, bad. Pretty spoiler bad. alerts, Prentice. What can we expect from season two of Insecure? I think everything you loved about season one and just like from the moment, I'm curious to see what y'all see when y'all see the first episode. I want to see y'all <laughs> tweets because we don't, we put the foot on the accelerator nonstop. So it's, it's all the things you loved and more. All right. Well, I, look, I'm sure Lawrence will be out there getting his groove back, right? <laughs> you the bank, I, 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 I predict you. you and the bank teller don't make it. I'm just saying. You think so? No, I don't Why, think Why, is that it. because you got something against the bank teller or? Of course she does. I do not yeah. have anything against the bank teller. His sore groin, feeling better. And with LeBron sitting courtside, Lonzo balled out with the King James-like stat line, 36 points, 11 assists, 8 rebounds, 5 steals. But it wasn't LeBron's presence who inspired Lonzo. He said he adopted mama mentality while hooping in the Nike Kobe AD. Like everybody, Nike guy LeBron liked what he saw to Lonzo and liked his choice of footwear. A lot of people like his IG posts 
and thought LeBron was scouting his future Lakers teammates. Anyway, LeVar Ball says that Lonzo's shoes were about his freedom to choose and nothing to do with any negotiations with the <laughs> shoe apparel company. Big deal that Lonzo balled out in Nike and not BBB. Um, it is a big deal, but look, much like I suspected, once Lonzo got to the NBA, look, this is, and this is no disrespect to his father and, and, and the influence that he's had on his life, but once you get into the league, a lot of things change. One, he's making his own money, so therefore it empowers him to make his own decisions. Two, he is influenced by what other players do. As he said, he wanted the Mamba mentality. I don't think it was just about shoes. Uh, it was about a le- stating a level of independence, and that's going to happen. He's a young man growing into his own manhood. So this is part of the decision-making process. <laughs> and looking at locker room, you're going to see people with a bunch of different shoe deals with different people. And while I know they're trying to promote their brand, I, fully, I think sooner rather than later, he's going to be with one of the bigger brands in the shoe industry. I recently talked to a Hall of Fame player who's – had a shoe deal for a long time. And he said something that I hadn't thought about in discussions about LeVar and marketing and independence and all the different conversations we're having about somebody trying to do their own thing, empowerment, that sort of thing. It's not about the brand. It's about the product itself. The profit that LeVar Ball is making, is he making it at the expense of the quality, quality and the technology mm-hmm. of the shoe? which if your son is going to produce, as in there's the product that your brand needs, if your son is going to produce over an 82-game season, the quality and the technology of his shoe matters as it relates to his feet and his performance. Nike has been in this for decades. They know what they're doing when it comes to producing a shoe to help you thrive in the NBA. Wherever LeVar Ball's materials and design are coming from, they may not be conducive to Lonzo playing his best and staying healthy over the long haul. So maybe if it's a luxury mm. shoe that they sell on the side, if right. he doesn't have to become a star, shoe. exactly, right. not at 495, maybe that's <laughs> one thing. But to play in, need to do something so you can keep putting up 36 and 11. And, and you know this as well as I do. When players get hurt, one of the first questions people or first things that people notice, yep. what shoes were they wearing? All right. Uh, the better his teammates, though, Lonzo will definitely be that much better. He has a knack for making guys better. We saw that last night. Amazing pastor. What you want out of passer, what you want out of a point guard, though, is passing. That's his job, right, Nick Young? How do you feel about passing? Passing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, you know, when I come in, you know, them guys might be out, hopefully. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's the point guard job. The, <laughs> nah, but uh, the open, uh, you know, I guess I got to get the ball up now. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Young is here. This is the best passing team in the league, man. You really got passing? Um, Like I said, you know, that's the point guard job. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you, like, sort of thought about it, like, I wouldn't say that much. No, nah, but I might have to be forced to pass. They got some great players over there, so. So there, you guys have three players that attempted 400 threes and shot 40%. Yeah. Who takes the most threes next year? You, Steph, or Clay Thompson? <laughs> <laughs> In limited uh, minutes, who takes right. the most threes? In limited minutes? No, I mean, you know, you're not going to be playing as much. Yeah, 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 for but sure. I, I, still, I, I might be I'm, I could, <laughs> still trying to get up there, but no, nah, I still, still them guys. Still they yeah. team, but um, I'm going to try to fit in. I'm going to talk some trash. I, I'm going to try to fit in. Yeah, I'm no, going to try to fit in. But you know what? I think you're actually the perfect warrior when you think about it. Because all they do is start. 
You know, they take they threes do. and run down the court before it goes in. That's your specialty, right? Yeah, I seen that. I seen Steph getting to his little swag, doing all that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm feeling good. I think. Oh, so what's yeah. the locker room gonna be like with you and Draymond Green? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, I know Draymond is a, you know, he's the um, the talker of the team. You know, um, he came down there. You know, he showed me a good time, so he kind of convinced me to, to, to join the team, and I think it should be fun. You know, hopefully we get JaVale back, too. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> what did it mean to you, though, that the world champion wanted you as part of the team? KD was recruiting you, too. Yeah, it, mean, it meant a lot. You know, um, it just won a championship, and to have Steve Kerr and KD come down and meet with you, I felt like that was, like, unbelievable. I couldn't really imagine they needed more pieces and Draymond said it's no such thing as enough firepower we need all we could get so yeah I'm speaking here. of KD I'm um, sure you heard about the joke that was made at his expense last night by Peyton Manning see that tells me all I need to know you laughed didn't you I laughed more at KD face <laughs> you think he was really mad no I think he's just probably tired you know, he was tired. I think he was just tired last night. You know, it was a long week. Why you trying to give him an excuse? Yeah, it was a long week. Yeah, right. <laughs> or tired of it. Or sick and yeah, tired. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know, and tired always follows sick. Um, <laughs> Bob Myers, he says he's not calling you Swaggy Pete. You heard about that? Yeah, but um, I think it's just, that's my name now. You know, I think um, he'll come along once he see me make a couple threes or something. Um, yeah, I think by the end of the year, he probably call me Swaggy or something. All right. <laughs> we can't think of anybody better or more qualified yeah. to join us for the Doing Too Much Countdown than one uh, Nick Young. Uh-oh. All right, let's get Here it started. Let me tell you something, man. I, look, I'm always joking it? with you because I don't know who's been in DTM more. Doing me too much. You. Yeah. Me or you. I've always been. I've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> I see you the night. I got 15-year-olds calling me about my attire. So, Jerry is Robertson who got the Jimmy V Perseverance Award. He said Mike looks like a great that's a, a tuxedo is tight, isn't it? Yeah. I'm talking about that's the picture I just seen. You I saw that picture? About that picture. And he made World Star. Made and World he didn't fight anybody? Or you saw that picture? <laughs> yeah, I just seen it. Famous for all the So I took that picture. Famous like a ninja well, we You did? The, yeah, I did. We were at the uh, Naughty by Nature concert. That's him last no, year. No, that ain't you the right there. Yeah, that's him. No, that ain't. That's yeah. my alter ego. See, it, he thought you need he a nickname, in. though, man. <laughs> Give me a nickname. That's what I'm saying. Listen to this, dances like this. A 36-year-old man has been arrested and admitted to sneaking into LSU's Tiger Stadium using a ladder and being accompanied by a prostitute. Your thoughts? That's not doing too much. That's just doing, like, I think that's, like, legendary. You don't think so? <laughs> <laughs> you're, like, what, you're like, what's the problem? Right. Like, what's the downside? Who sneak into Tiger Stadium with a prostitute, right? Right? right. That's what you're supposed to do. But listen, we're glad you got a sense of humor. We saw you at the party the other night. Yeah. You appreciated our sense of humor. Yeah. We got a special present for you. Okay, Rolling. here we go. What are we talking about? Hey, what's up, y'all? Number How you doing? Hey, My name is Tiger Beat. Here's y'all. Here's Jack. Oh, oh. The top of the board. Just give me the ball and get out the way. I kept it up and I said... That's my John Travolta. You had a pretty famous tweet about your feelings about going to say I think my phone was hacked. Now, Steve Smith was the first Hall of Famer when it came to the Do It Too Much Countdown. You are now the second inductee. You're Hall of Famer, Swaggy dude. Thank you. You're Hall, Hall of Famer. Famer. They can I get never a take this away from right. you. This is the trophy in Bristol. We'll get you fitted for a gold jacket. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, we'll mail it to you. <laughs> but you, my man, you are a Hall of Famer. How's that oh. feel? Speech. It was always a dream to be in Hall of Famer. Oh, man. 
It's an honor, you know. Um, I want to say thank y'all. Mom, we finally made it. Uh, <laughs> we're doing too much, Hall of Fame. That's me. Yeah. That's right. Thank you. <laughs> we, will all, we will always have this moment. Yeah. Always we appreciate it. you, man. Yeah, Good luck with Golden State. Appreciate that. Good luck with <laughs> Now, what's the most interesting part of the Windy City Crosstown trade? The Cubs getting a stud pitcher in Carlos Quintana, who's under contract for three more years and about 30 mil. The Sox now having two of the five and three of the 11 best prospects in baseball or the Reddit users with the <laughs> not safe for work usernames who broke the story. Okay, it's the not safe for work usernames, uh, but... No, in all seriousness, it's I know. The Cubs. It, it, well, in all seriousness, we like to say who won or who lost. I think both of these teams it's won. It's a win-win. It is win -win. a win-win. Sox get the prospects. And, and the Cubs get some reliable starting pitching. They get reliable starting pitching. That's not a rental. Before we call it a day, let some people had a good day. Um, we had a good day. We had a good week, for yeah. that matter, here on the 6. We are in L.A. all week. Great guest list today, Serena Williams, Swaggy P, Princess Steph Penny, Curry. Steph Curry. We had Jimmy Butler, who could forget Conor McGregor, yes. Serena, list goes on. We can begin to name all the people who helped make this possible. Thank you. We'll see you Monday. More Center, more Sports Center's next coverage of Maypac.